0: Hello everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareco. Our opening song features Reach for the Stars from Cyclone's new album, Showtime, available on all music stores and platforms. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are servants of the new age, the time of prophecy, the time of the ascending sixth sun. We are a platform for alchemists and multidimensional souls. We connect with many planes of reality and assist the awakening journey. We are pure light, transmitters of high vibrational light out into reality. Our shows are held on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830- 8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. Call for free at 805-830-8344 and wait in line or you can use Take My Call and for $11 you can jump the long list of callers. Do so at www.paypal.me slash p-u-r-e-c-o slash 11. And then please PM or email Claudia Pareco at cview 1111 at gmail.com and include the phone number you'll be using to call the show. All of our podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview 1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day.
1: to see you 2022. Today's show is Ghost on a Medium Vacation series and we are talking about one of the series of books by author Rob Butrow. and this is um, focused on his vacation, what happens when a medium goes on vacation and we are talking about specifically the one he did in England in Arizona, and some other places where, wherever Rob goes, he encounters something or someone. So our author of the day today is a paranormal investigator, a medium with inspired ghost tracking of Maryland. Since he was a child, he could receive messages from ghosts or spirits who have crossed over. As a scientist, he also provides some scientific explanation about how energy is the baseline for the afterlife and the medium that entities use to communicate. So some of the um, theories that he has uh, written yeah, are called, first is the test and the afterlife, ghost on a medium vacation, and ghost in spirit. Today we are talking about all of those occasions where rough having culture goes in his vacation because even though he has, he's mostly known as the pet medium, he can also communicate with people. And I don't know about you, but it is very interesting to me when you hear about someone that can go places and see or hear or sense what is there. So, Rob, thank you for coming back. I am so happy to have you here
2: today and so excited about our conversation. Okay, so I think we're having a little inter- and difficulty
1: here, and so I'm going to call Rob on his cell phone because he cannot, we cannot hear him. So now let's uh, talk a little bit about what's going on today. We are in North Carolina, transmitting from North Carolina, and we are um, waiting for Ian, the hurricane, to come through this
2: way. So let's see. Hey, Rob, can you hear me now? Rob, can you hear me? Okay, so let's see if here we can hear. Hey, Rob, can you hear me? Can you can hear, you me, hear now? me now? Rob? Rob? Yeah, yep. so we, we cannot hear Rob. Let's try call to call him one more time. time. Hello. Hello.
3: Hey, Yes, I am here. Thank you.
1: Okay, good. and I think it's better, right? The sound.
3: Great. Yeah, I, I think we maybe having a little, uh, a little connection problems, but I think we've we've got everything solved. Good to be back.
1: Well, I hope so. <laughs> so, w- were you able to listen to the intro or nothing?
3: I did, yes. Thank you.
1: Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. At least if that was heard. So, okay. So now I'm so happy to have you here, as was as I was saying, because I really enjoyed our first con- uh, conversation some months ago. So, and people can go and listen to that uh, interview free, as always, and also this one about you communicating with our pets and how beneficial that is. But then we, you started telling me about these series about a ghost and mediums, ghost on no, a medium, ghost on the medium vacation series, and it was like, oh, that's yeah. so much fun. But to me, it's fun. I don't know if it's fun for you. So tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, it is kind of uh, fun. I, when I first started taking vacations um, after my abilities awakened in two thousand and five. Um, Things became very interesting. Uh, I would I would encounter ghosts that deci- decided to stay behind in various locations. And they kind of gave me an insight about the history of the places that I visited. And England was famous for that because wherever I went, there was somebody uh, who decided to stay behind and, and share their experiences.
1: So when you... So why would you choose, choose to stay behind when they're Why would you rather stay here? Or have they told you?
3: Uh, I have heard from a number of different uh, ghosts why they've stayed behind. And some are good reasons and some are bad reasons. Um, so some people loved the places that they lived during life and they just didn't want to leave. Mostly those would be uh, royalty or people who were very happy with their lives, no matter what frame of mind um, they were in or what profession they were in. Other people stayed behind because they, uh, they were afraid to cross over. They were afraid of what would happen. Um, and yet other people were, were killed. They were, they were murdered, and um, they woke up confused, and they stayed too long, and that's how they get stuck here.
1: Wow, so when you see that when you find these uh, ghosts that are stuck, let's say, do you help them cross over, or what is it your mission, or why would you be having these encounters
3: so there's a couple of answers to that question, so yes, I, my primary purpose would be to help them cross over and define peace, but because every ghost has their own personality that they had when they were alive, some of them don't want to cross over. Some of them are still afraid, and they choose to stay behind, no matter how much I try to convince them. So, you know, people can be very stubborn, so uh, you have to let them do what they want. Um, But for the most part, they they have chosen to stay in the afterlife, and uh, they kind of stick with it.
1: So why don't we talk about some of uh, some examples? Like I heard, well, I read that you like you had an encounter with Anne Boleyn. That's one of the famous ones. And did you have a conversation with her? Did you try to find out why she was there and a good idea why she would remain in the towel.
3: Uh I'm sorry. Which ghost was this? Uh, I, I, I couldn't Anne hear Boleyn. Oh Anne Boleyn sure um so Anne Boleyn is uh is one of the wives of Henry VIII, and she was beheaded when Henry kind of got tired of her um and she uh um, she was she haunts actually the Tower of London that is one of the places that that she haunts um when I was in the Tower of London um and uh, I ran into Anne Boleyn's ghost in the Chapel Royal of Saint Peter ad uh, Vincula. Now that's where she was interred. That's where she was buried after after she lost her head. She was buried there. Um, and there were there, there were some other weird circumstances too with her body. After she was killed, Henry VIII uh, threw another fit, <clears throat> and apparently he he had her dug up and he put the, her remains in quicklime to dissolve them because he was so angry with her. So when I went into the Tower of London, there's a, a little church called uh, St. Peter Ad Vincula. Um, when I walked into the church, there was a great uh, heaviness, a great sadness. And that was, that was Anne Boleyn. She was conveying uh, what she felt before she was executed and it was like a blanket um so there are a couple of things in terms of paranormal activity Claudia one is is called residual energy and that is emotional energy emotions that people have that that are impressed upon the structure of a building so when you walk into a building if you are sensitive you can feel whether or not they're happy sad angry um joyful depressed you get that kind of feeling in a building also there are intelligent haunts and intelligent haunts are the ones that are interactive those are the ones that can communicate with people Um, they can make noises they can touch you and they can make you feel cold spots Uh, if you're a medium you can actually hear them in your head Um, sometimes you can see them Um, but she so she was an intelligent haunt and and she interacted with me to let me know how sad
4: uh, she was at the end of her life
2: and yeah so i i can relate to that i i remember going to pakistan
1: and this was we went to this place where i they used to have this children that they were they were mostly girls and they were chosen for their um they were chosen like they would they would be chosen to remain in this room because because they were they were a deity to to the people so they were considered a deity until they would become a, a girl like they until they would have their menses so they were in this child in this place secluded and they could only go out one time a, a year and i i oh my remember God. when i when we yeah so i remember being there and you know for, it was a big privilege for a parent to have your child chosen but when you when you were there you could feel the loneliness the sadness the because for a child to be on a room, even though she had everything she could uh, hope for—dresses, food, whatever she needed—but she she could not go out but once a year, and it was so depressing. But not I did not talk to any of those, but I could feel that. So I I can understand when you tell me some, that you can feel the emotion or something on the structure.
2: So
1: mm-hmm. having the ability to plus and besides that to talk or to see something gives you more understanding of what's going on.
3: So yeah, that, it really does. Um, it, especially, it, it lets you feel what the the, um, the times were like. Um, and when I went to England in 2012 and 2013, we visited a lot of. Tudor-era places, um, from Whitehall Palace, uh, the Banqueting House, to Hampton Court Palace, to the Tower of London, to Westminster Abbey, and all of those places had different entities conveying their lifetime, uh, something that happened during their lifetime, to me. Um, So it's fascinating to talk to people who were alive in the 1500s sharing what what they encountered.
1: And then also in, one, in that book, you talk about a past life that you yourself encountered. Can you share us a little bit about that?
3: Um, so a past life experience, is that what you're referring mm-hmm. to?
1: Yes. So, uh, oh, but that was not yeah, there so in, in London. I'm sorry. That's when you went to the
3: Cage Theater, right? Yeah, that one was in Birdcage. But my husband, uh, Tom, actually had an interesting uh, past life experience in um, in the England trip. Um, he did a regression, a past life regression, which is when um, you you work with a regressionist and they and they kind of put you under, and then you start uh, and he takes you backward, and then you start explaining things that you've seen before, in what turns out to be past life. Um, so he knows that he had lived before in Tudor, England, which is why he's drawn to it. So for anybody listening, if you are fascinated with a certain location in the world and a certain time period, it's most likely that you lived at that time at that place before. Um, Mine was in Tombstone, Arizona in the 1880s, and that happened when I visited there.
1: And what was your fascination about Thumston, Arizona? Did you always, like, when you watch movies about that era, or how do you know? Like, England is easy to pinpoint, in my opinion. Like, oh, England. And, and you find when you're doing history and everything, you'll hear about these places. But what about Thumston caught your attention, or how is it that you pinpoint that place?
3: Um okay so we we'll, we'll, we'll switch over to Tombstone and so for those that don't know Tombstone Arizona is a it's an old mining town in um in the west in the southern part of Arizona it was founded in 1877 when a silver miner named Ed Shefflin struck silver in the desert and then he uh, he, he created his first silver mine, and he called it Tombstone, and then the town of the same name was built up around it. So how I came to find out about it is there was a movie back in 1993 that was depicting the uh, the life of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and, and and the OK Corral events, the the shootout that happened in 1881, October 26. So as I was watching that film in the, in the theater, something was eerily familiar to me. And uh, and uh, I wanted to know more. So after the after the film, Claudia, I decided that I would read as much as I possibly could about Wyatt Earp, Doc Holiday, and the Old West. And I didn't know why. I was just fascinated. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, by the way. So that's the farthest thing you could get from mm-hmm. the Old West and a cowboy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Long story short, I, over, um, over time, I would go to different places where Wyatt Earp lived, different states, and investigate things. And I, I wanted to put together a book because there was something really strange and familiar about it. Well, in 1994, the year after the movie, I went to Arizona, and I went to Tombstone. And I wanted to satisfy my curiosity. So I went there, and I dressed up as Wyatt Earp, and I had a friend of mine dressed up as Doc Holliday, and we thought that would be just a really fun way to see the town. So this town, by the way, was only in operation from the late 1870s to 1889, and then it closed down because all the silver mines flooded, and everybody left the town. So it essentially became a ghost town with only about 100 people that lived there for a while. My past life experience happened when we first got to the town in 1994. We were, we parked on the outside of town. We know, we walked probably about two, three minutes into town from the very end of town and somebody stopped me and asked me for directions to one of the historic buildings that still stood there, the the courthouse that was built in 1881. Claudia, I told this person the exact way to get to this courthouse I told them it was two blocks down they had to take a left go one block down take a right and the courthouse was on the left-hand side and my friend was looking at me and this was in 1994 there was no internet there were no paper maps of the town that we, we could get before we visited there's no way I could have known the layout of this town but that's exactly where the courthouse was and my friend was stunned He he said what we we better go check that out to make sure you didn't give this tourist bum directions And <laughs> sure enough, it was right where I told him it would be
2: And when that happened
1: how did you feel because probably you were just answering Automatic at first and then you're like oh,
3: how do I know that or didn't you? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I uh, after I answered the question, I thought, what in the world did I just tell this guy?
4: <laughs> and how do I know that? And it wasn't yeah, until this, much later yeah, that, you that I figured out it, out. it out. Oh,
1: yes? And do we know who you were in particular, or is that something that you want to remain
3: hidden? um i did i actually did a past life regression and i learned that i was someone who worked in one of the mines um mm-hmm. i saw myself in miner's clothing and i saw myself with a hound dog and i was in a small wooden cabin and that's that's apparently who i was at that time back in the 1880s wow so i was i was no one famous but i obviously i was well aware of You know, the the herps and the cowboys and all that stuff.
1: You know, but that's also something very important that I have found out is that many times when we learn about a past life, it's 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 about these lives where we were not important but we were there is always a, a why we remember those past lives so there's a message there there's something important in that life which makes it in, um significant for the person
3: right i yes i agree and and i thought about that also and one of the things that i've concluded is at that time i remember seeing that there was a hound dog with me and in this life, I am a big advocate of, of pets. As you know, you mentioned earlier that I'm uh, also considered a pet medium. So dogs played a big role in my life in at that time, and now they play an even bigger role in, in my life.
1: Yeah, I guess for a mi- minor to have a dog, probably he found you. If you get lost or things like that, I think it would be very important or maybe you were all alone and, and that was your company. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it, dogs and pets for me are also very, very, very important, very significant. Yes. You
2: know,
1: you're right. When Because I remember always from – in my family we always have dogs, but the, the role they play in my life, dogs in particular, is just extraordinary. Extremely important. Like I cannot uh, think of my life without them and without the interaction that you have with them. Where there are other people would say, "What? Having a dog? You're crazy! Too much work!" And you're like, "What? Not having a dog? How can you live without a dog? They are so important." So, so so, yeah.
3: yeah. Absolutely um and uh, while i was in by the way while I was in, in uh, England, I actually ran into a ghost dog, uh, and that's that's also in my book Ghosts of England on a news vacation there was a um, There was a little dog uh, named Fanny, and I was totally taken by surprise by her appearance. We, uh, my husband and I, went to a museum called uh, Doctor, um, not Doctor, uh the Soane Museum. Johnson was a, a very famous British architect, and his home was uh, filled with artifacts. Um, and when he passed, he and his wife passed, they turned it into a museum. And my husband, being an architect, wanted to go see it. So as soon as we walked in, there was a little black. And uh, black and tan dog running around that I saw. And I I said something, and and he said, there's no dog here. And I said, yes, there is. There's a dog here. Um, It turned out as we walked through the museum um, that I, I saw snippets of the dog, like little flashes, and I asked somebody that worked there, and they said, yes. Every single person that worked there confirmed that that little Fanny, Mrs. Soane's dog, still lives in that house, uh, and they have all seen the dog. Um, in fact, they asked me if there was a, a human ghost, and I said, no, there's only a dog, and they said that's exactly what everybody who works here has confirmed. There is no human ghost, only the dog stayed behind.
2: Wow, and why would a dog stay behind?
3: So. Um I, what I, I've found out is that the, this little dog, Fanny, was very, very attached to Mrs. Stone. So when Fanny passed away, um, Fanny didn't want to cross over. And that's very unusual for a dog because 99% of dogs and cats will cross over. But So Fanny stayed behind with Mrs. Stone, and when Mrs. Stone passed away, um, she crossed over, but Fanny decided to stay behind because Fanny loved greeting people that came to the house. And even today in the afterlife, mm-hmm. 150 years later, Fanny still greets people every time they come in the front door.
2: <laughs> that's so funny. So, well, yeah, so she's, I guess.
3: Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's that's a happy reason. Uh, so She just loves people, so and she meets thousands of them every year apparently
1: <laughs> and, and in one of your in your one of your books you tell um how even the ghosts serve like guide tours for you like they show you here very proud or you go to Cleveland, Ohio and you have a a per, a ghoster that doesn't want to cross over because he's very proud of the job that he did at that hotel so tell us a little, a little bit more about when you are toured with this ghost do they wait for you to you know like they are right beside you showing you around because they can go through walls and stuff and you can so how do they behave with you
3: Sure. So yeah, interesting that you brought up my my recent trip to Cleveland. Um, I I went into a place called the Renaissance Hotel in downtown Cleveland. I'd never been there before, and and there was a uh, there was a, a gentleman um, who was balding with a pencil thin must- mustache. He was a ghost, and he was a um, he, he was proud of cleaning the lobby, um, and that was mm-hmm. his job. And he stayed there because he was very proud of it, and he loved the hotel. It was his second home. Um, he didn't want to cross over either, but, so that's one example. Um, I, I went to, uh, when I went to Hever Castle in, in England, um, I ran into the ghost of, uh, Anne Boleyn's brother, George. Now, I didn't know that George, that it was the home of the Boleyn family, but he, uh, he introduced himself, and then he actually walked me and my husband around the the, cal- the castle, and he pointed out different things in different rooms, which I was able to verify when I got home um, from the trip. So we had our only our own ghostly personal tour guide of Hever Castle in England. Wow.
1: And how do they look? Like you can see them, right? And now you can see them in your mind eye. But when that is, you're perfectly able to distinguish between real person that you see and a ghost.
3: Yes, I, I mostly see the ghosts in my in my mind. Um, I, it's very rare that I actually visibly see them. So, what happens when I go on these trips, or if I go on paranormal investigations, is I take a journal with me, a blank journal, and I am able to sketch them out so in mm-hmm. in both my uh, Birdca- Ghosts of the bird cage theater book and my Ghosts of uh, England book, readers will see sketches of the ghosts that I encountered uh, because I sketched them out and and there were there are a number of them in um, in England there was Uh, There was a gentleman wearing a long cloak and a big hat. Um, There was, uh, I sketched out George Bolin's ghost. I sketched out a woman with a dress that um, I was able to find something similar online that dated back to the 1600s in Whitehall Palace um, in Tombstone, Arizona. (laughs) I was... When I walked through the Birdcage Theater, there were ghosts that I encountered that were either ladies of the evening, or gamblers, or uh, actors, um, and I was able to sketch them out too. So whenever, uh, whenever readers will read my books, not only can they use these books as uh like tour guides because mm-hmm. they're filled with history, um, but you'll also get a sense of the kind of people that lived at the various times um, when these places were thriving in history.
2: Ah, so, so you can actually
1: bring the book with you, like if I go to Arizona, and that will help me also tour the place because you have uh, you are giving all of these historical um, tips, right?
3: Yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, so I, I try to make my uh, my mediums vacation books uh, twofold in purpose. One is to explain about the paranormal ongoings, and the other is to provide the history and the background of the buildings or the area or the location that you're visiting so that you have an understanding of how the people who still live there as a ghost – um, used to live when they were alive in the physical. So, so if you love history and you love paranormal, this is uh, these are wh- <laughs> how why I write these books.
1: Now, you also told a story about one time you went to Turnbury Castle. And you have a ghost that uh, took residence in your room. Did you took residence in the room the ghost was, or did he came to the room so and stay with you while you were there?
3: So yeah, so we ran into a ghost in Thornbury Castle when we booked it. So Thornbury Castle is in England. It's in um it, it was a it was a castle that was built in 1511 and it was owned by Edward Stafford. He was of the Plantagenet family and the Plantagenet Jeanette family was a, a rival for the crown against Henry VIII. So um, just a little bit of history here is that um, Henry VIII didn't like his rivals for the crown. So he often had them executed and and Edward Stafford was no exception. So Edward Stafford had begun construction of Thornbury Castle.
4: And when Henry
3: VIII executed him, Henry VIII uh took his half-finished castle. And Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn stayed at this castle in 1535. Now today, although the castle remains half-finished, the finished part is now a luxury hotel. Wow. So you can stay there. It's a it's a big bed and breakfast, um, and it is it's really gorgeous. Um, they uh, they furnish the rooms similar to how they looked during the Tudor period. Mm-hmm. So when we had planned our trip to, uh, to England, we we worked with a. a, a travel agent called Across the Pond Vacations, and they found this hotel. They found this castle hotel for us. We didn't know anything about it. Um, Our room was in one of the existing towers. And what's fascinating is as soon as we opened the door, they're giant wooden doors. Think about doors that are like eight feet high, um, all wood plank, about four feet wide it, it re- you really get you know you really get yeah, the castle feel it's heavy. so you, yeah it is and it's heavy right so we open the door and um uh, my husband tom also has an the ability um uh, to sense ghosts not as as pronounced as mine but he does so as soon as we walked in we both sensed a man was standing there a ghost and um our initial feelings was that that this man had a sword um, that he was related or associated with the castle in some way, um, and we didn't know anything about him. Um, when when we took a picture near the door, the outside of the door, an orb appeared in one of the photographs. Now, an orb, for those who listening, is the most simple form a ghost can take. If it has colors and designs in it, mostly, it's probably an orb. If it's white, it's likely a reflection of of a bug or something like that. But this had colors and designs in it. So we knew that there was somebody there. Um, That night, um, when I was in the shower, um, I uh, I heard a man's voice and he said, my name is Rupert. And I thought, Okay, oh, gosh, uh, now I know your name. Um, then he gave me the name of a town, and which I didn't know it was a town. Um, so I wrote all these things down. I wrote down Rupert. I wrote down this, this, uh, this name, which I later found out was a town. Um, and then I did some lookup of history when I came back. But <clears throat> a couple of funny, quirky things happened when we were in the hotel room. One was I asked Rupert kindly if he would not wake us up until sunrise. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: You know, and if you're in a if you're in a room with a a ghost, you have to treat them nicely if you want to be treated nicely. So, um, my big mistake was not realizing that uh, sunrise um, at that time of the year was five thirty in the morning. So the uh, the castle the, the the windows to the castle they they had clear windows but in front of every window and there were only two in the room there were iron grates
4: and they were locked so
3: at 5:30 in the morning the iron grate Unlocked itself and slammed against the stone wall. That was oh Rupert, my God, and he woke up. That's freaky. Yeah, we. I mean, we were both sound asleep, and we jumped oh out God. of bed, you know, to- totally startled. And 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 we were trying to figure out what happened. And and Tom said to me, "What what in the world happened?" And I said, "I realized that I asked Rupert not to wake us up until." sunrise, and it's 5.30, and the only way he could wake us up is by unlocking the grated window and slamming it against the wall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And was, was Rupert, yeah, so, Rupert laughing when that happened? Probably if I was a ghost and I see your reaction, I'm like, ha, 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 look at these
3: people. <laughs> yeah, he's probably saying, look at these two dummies that didn't know what time the sun comes up <laughs> and, you know, in the in the summertime, um, but so what's what's fascinating about Rupert was how I came to figure out who he was. So, um, I, I when I got home, I I took all this information and I put it together and I did a, a, an extensive search, and I found out that there was a gentleman and he was a prince and he his name is Prince Rupert, and um he was in a a battle that was near the castle um and i can't remember the name of the town that he gave me i think i think it's witten Wittenden? i can't remember it's in the book um when i look when i was able to figure out who it was sure enough that the name that he gave me of the town or the borough was exactly correct he was a prince he his greatest uh defeat was in that particular battle and that was in very close proximity to Thornbury Castle. So that's why he chose to haunt Thornbury Castle. Because there was no other structure there's no other structure now um that survives from the fifteen hundreds. So what I found is that when the ghost decides to linger from a time period and the structure that they used to inhabit is torn down, they will go to the next closest structure. And that's what Rupert
2: did. Wow. And, Rob, uh, well, what do you believe? Like, in
1: my, I'm trying not to be so linear as I was before into thinking that you have one body, one soul, but that you have different dimensions in your soul where you could actually have just a part of you left behind like a ghost and then the other part of you can just continue your journey without all of you being stuck. Do you think it could be possible that that which we think of, oh, how sad is stuck, it's just a part of that who you are and not the whole of you?
3: I, that's a, a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. It would, it would, to me, it would, it, it would be like splitting energy. Um, but in my, so in my experience, I have, I tend to think that uh, once we are an entity of energy, we all we stay together, and that's why we have ghosts in a fixed location that need to cross over and, and have peace. Um, so. In my experience, I think we all we stay together as an entity, energy, uh, an energy entity, either earthbound or or crossover. I'm I'm not sure that we can split up, but we'll find out eventually, yeah. right?
1: Eventually, we'll find
3: out.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, because because that's part of the things that I am now thinking about is like, okay, so th- there are so many things that we used to as yes, truth, like absolute truth, and this is the way it is, which now we are kind of shifting from that thinking mentality into something different, which we have not yet um, understand what it is. So that I was thinking that maybe that's something like that. And, and again, you're right. We, I cannot prove it. Nobody can prove it, but it's part of the things that are shifting. Probably.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's a learning experience. So every, every day we learn something more. Um, but it, with my experiences, as I said, they're pretty – they're either one or the other right now. Um, yeah, so now I, I, I try to I focus on you...
1: – Sorry. When I, when, you, when I follow you and I follow your trips and everything, it's like then you go to Maryland and you also – also have a hunting experience in Linville Manor, a bit of breakfast in Maryland. And then you go to Arizona, and you go to England, and you go to Cleveland. So is, is there any place in the world that you have been that you don't have a ghost?
3: Well, I'm sure, well, there have been places that have been relatively uh, quiet. Um, but I, I will tell you one of the things that I've noticed when I travel. If I am not feeling well, my uh, I block out all the the messages from any any earthbound ghosts. Um, I had taken a trip to Italy in 2016, and I was very sick. I had a sinus infection, and I did not encounter any ghosts at all because I was not feeling well. Um, basically my sickness blocked them all out
1: well and it makes sense right that you need your own energy to for yourself and and that's why you couldn't see them
2: I guess
3: Yeah, yeah absolutely Um, it it acts as a uh, as a block because you're trying to you're trying to heal your own energy Um, so so it's not every place I go that I run into somebody but um but I like to write about places that have a lot of different people from a lot of different time periods um, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the next books in the series that I'll be working on in 2023 are my uh, is my vacation in Ireland and Scotland where I ran into a lot Hi. more ghosts
1: yeah, Ireland. That would be a, a place full of stories. And so, are are we in that book? Is there a particular story that we should pay, um, be on the look for?
3: Um, all I will tell you is that when I went to, I think it was Cork County, um, and I think that's in uh, the western side of Ireland, we went into a jail. Uh, and it was extremely haunted. And I think, um, and I actually captured a picture of a shadow figure crossing the hallway. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about that maybe next year or the year after. Um, <laughs> but there are so many. Um, and, and, Rob, I remember in one of your posts that
1: you did on your LinkedIn, you show a picture of a lady and you said that you had pictured the ghost in that picture and to the life of me i could not find the person or the face of the woman is was that the smiling thing that that was there or
2: was i was looking for some something but i couldn't and so what did i miss
3: Okay, um, I think that you're referring to. The, so there was a one investigation called uh, the case of the double murder ghost investigation
4: mm-hmm. that I
3: did when I um, with the Inspired Ghost Tracking team, and that's in my book, Case Files of Inspired Ghost Tracking. Um, when when we were on an investigation, there, we were investigating a private residence where children were reporting shadow figures and sheets being pulled off their beds and being touched and so forth. So um, w- when we did this investigation, we ran into two women. One of them was uh, an older woman in her 60s and the other woman was a younger woman in her 30s. And they they conveyed to myself on another medium that they were murdered in this house um, many, many years ago. Um, and... It turned out we had a police – we managed to get a police report um, about the house after the investigation that confirmed everything that myself and the other medium um, sensed. And it it was horrific. But the face that you're talking about appeared in an orb, the the most simple form of, of a ghost can take, a round ball of light. We went to the when we went to the basement area. We we one of our photographers took a picture and that orb showed up and we blew it up. And in the top part of it, there was a face of a woman. She was she had her mouth closed, um, so it, it was more of a, a
4: contemplative expression uh,
2: so on her face. for that again.
1: So so. If people are listening to us and want to see that, it is on your LinkedIn account, and where else can they find it?
3: Um, so they can they can actually find – they can see the face of that woman on the, the cover of my book, Lessons Learned from Talking to the Dead. That story okay. appears in that book, and the, the case file has been inspired ghost tracking. But the face itself appears on the cover of Lessons Learned. Um, so you just have to go on Amazon and put in my last name Gutro, and you can see the cover of the book.
1: G U T R O. So for everyone that yep. is listening, just write G as in Gabriel, U T as in Thomas, R O, and look for that. It's really interesting, and also all of your other books. And I've read that you are about to make well, have another book on
3: cats? Yes. So I, I, my, so I have three series of books. And one of the series, in, in addition to On a Medium's Vacation, the other, va- the other series is Ghosts and Spirits. And the third series is Pets in the Afterlife that we talked about before on the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And this will be my fourth book in the series. And it's called um, Pets in the Afterlife 4, Messages from Spirit Cats. So for all the cat parents out there, this book is entirely devoted to you and all the cats and their messages. And it's coming in 2023, in January. I'm finishing up the edits right now.
1: Yeah, because I was was reading and it piqued my, my interest that you have found a very profound difference in how dogs communicate from the afterlife as to cats, is that right
3: they are uh they are so different based on their personalities and their behaviors um, because dogs seem to be more sociable and cats seem to be more um, aloof more independent, um, they communicate based on the way that they generally live so it's all about their personalities it, and, and it's it's fascinating what they can reveal, too, just like um, just like people, you know they they communicate the way that they did in life. So um, I will tell you though, <clears throat> that like when I go on vacation, some of these ghosts can be shy, kind of like a cat. they <laughs> can be kind of shy, and and they're less apt to come forth. Um, Meanwhile, the ones with the more boisterous personality, they will be the first ones to to call out to you. They'll be the first ones to let you know that they're there. So um, one one thing that I would like to let uh, listeners know is that when you do go on vacation, if you are at all sensitive, close your eyes when you go into a place and see what you feel. We all have the ability to sense energy, and, um, and and the way that I liken that is when you walk into a room, Claudia, and there's a whole bunch of people there, and some people you will be attracted to, you, you'll want to say hello to, and other people you mm-hmm. kind of stay away from, so you're reading your energy, and we can do that whenever we go into a place, a structure. Because our emotions are impressed upon the structure, the, the walls of the structure. And like you said before, that you can you can tell if a place is happy or sad or kind of heavy feeling. Um, so people can do that when they go on vacation too. But often we are so enamored with being in a new place that we don't take the time to close our eyes and see what we can sense when we go in on a, on a vacation and go to a different place. But
2: I
1: urge you to do that. And I and I love your when you mentioned that you bring a book with you to sketch. I think that's a good idea to bring something just to write down whatever it is that you're feeling because it helps you to get into that state of receiving. If you are and, and may and maybe even a message from that you give to whoever entity or whatever energy is there is like, okay, show me. Right.
3: Yes. Absolutely. Um, and and that way, I'm able to actually take notes and put together their their life story. Um, for instance, when I went into the Birdcage Theater, I went into the theater area there in Arizona, and one of the ghosts actually shared his pain of death with me. He, I, I felt the bullet go through my throat, and uh, and it was startling. I couldn't speak for a couple minutes, but he was conveying that this is what happened to him in life. This is how he died. And he also told me his name, and he also told me that he was cheating at cards, which is why he was shot in the throat at that very place as he was trying to leave the Birdcage Theater in retreat. Um, so I sketched him out, too, uh, and while I was
4: standing there.
2: Mm-hmm. So, if you were to pick your um, on your vacation
1: series, you know you were telling me how some are very shy and some are the opposite. Who would be your mm-hmm. number one ghost in that um, that big way of calling your attention? <sighs>
3: I think that I have to go back and, uh, and and say George Bolin was probably the most impressive ghost that I encountered uh, in, in my uh, visit to England, simply because he stayed with me, and he actually walked around with me
0: throughout
3: Hever Castle, pointing out different rooms, things that happened in different rooms, um, telling me about a year that he was most proud of his sister, where he burned his elbow and various other things. I've never had a ghostly tour guide before, so he's the most impressive.
1: And we can all read that on uh, a Ghost on a Medium Vacation series, and we can go to Amazon and write the last name of the author, G-U-T-R-O, and you can find all of the books in there, correct?
3: Right? Yes. Thank you very much. I, um, I, I really hope that folks will pick them up if, if they have uh, any interest in history, whether it be the Old West in the U.S. or history of, um, of England um, and various other places that I'll be writing about as well. Um, and I look forward to more adventures and sharing more things with you.
1: Thank you, Jan. You're always welcome here. And Rob, just a final thing. For people that are looking for a reading with you, what's the best way to contact you?
3: They can go to my website. It's com. or if you can't figure out how to spell my last name, just type in petspirits.com, <laughs> and uh, you'll find instructions on how to how to get a reading. I only do readings for pets. I don't do them for people. People are much too complicated. Um And they have too much – it's too much drama with people. But pets are all about love, and that's what I like. Um, I will tell you, Claudia, that I am booked out almost a year in advance. So I ask people for their patience. Yeah, I only do it on the weekends. (laughs) So –
1: Yeah, but that's how good you are. So, well, thank you, Rob, for your time. I really, really appreciate this conversation. It was as fun as I was envisioning. So, again, anytime that you want to come back, you'll have the doors open here. And looking forward for your new
3: adventures with
1: cats and more serious Ireland. It sounds fantastic. So, thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Claudia. Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye.